0: Like. Revenge Jersey hometown, the Garden State From superstar Sandy to bridge cake yeah. 24-7, 100 real news breaks hey. While
1: well, we eating lippies and Midway with cheese steaks yeah. From Maddie Faz to Matthew White, keeping it lit It's always Tom's Rivers running through the mic uh, No room for haters, no time for fakers nah. But when you rock the mic with the one and only Matt Breaker Welcome to the Maker Break Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Breaker. Here we're talking to people doing cool and exciting things. We'll hear their stories and learn about their journeys. Today I'm talking to a talented dude from the Jersey Shore, a friend, a music publicist, the founder of GardenStateHipHop.com, Rodney Corsi. Rodney, thanks for jumping on the Maker Break Podcast. How you doing, my man?
0: All is well, man. I'm, I'm blessed, Matt. Thank you for having me on your show. Um, next week, you know, I turned 31, so, you know, I'm just blessed, you know, I'm in a really good space in terms of Garden State hip hop, which you mentioned, and just making the most of the summer, given, um, you know, the very precarious space that we've all been living in the past few months.
1: Seriously. And what are some of the things you've been doing this summer?
0: Uh, you know what? Really becoming more disciplined as a businessman, you know, really paying attention to my finances, uh organizing things a bit better uh trying to come up with new ways to to earn revenue and be more creative and strategic Mm -hmm. uh you know exercising a bit more you know there's a local park where i live so i found a really good workout routine for me uh for what my fitness goals are so i try to practice that three or four times a week and also you know just really uh Renting in the bond of the relationship I have with my girlfriend. We've been living together for a little bit over a year now. Mm. And, uh, you know, with so much time living in a space together, I feel like, uh, you know, our relationship has gotten, you know, so much stronger, you know? And, uh, you know, you you, you enjoy someone's company, but, you know, it can go one of two ways. You can either enjoy it or or start to resent it or, or dislike it. Whereas, you know, with us being stuck in a house, we really enjoy each other's company. So our quarantine has been kind of fun.
1: Well, and it's funny you say that because, as you know, I just got engaged. So and and it's I was thinking a lot about that whole phenomenon, which you just mentioned that especially, you know, anybody living with each other, dating each other, married with each other. It can always go either way, but especially in a quarantine. And, you know, in, in your situation, I was in the same one where we weren't engaged You know, as the quarantine started So it really, really tests things Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you aren't cool with the person Like, it's not gonna work (laughs) Right,
0: right And um, I think that's something we all don't think about Especially at the beginning of of the pandemic You know, um, I I have friends that work in like the social work space Or who are police officers And, uh, you know, domestic violence During this three-month time period of lockdown you know, it was very serious, you know? So, I mean, given things that are going on in society, I'm surprised that a lot of news publications or even local media have picked up those type of stories because, you know, it's not something that people really think about too much.
1: I know a lot of people as well who work in law enforcement and also uh, in fields with mental health. So, yeah, the domestic violence stuff, mental health stuff, a lot of that stuff is totally on the rise. And I know it's tricky because... The news stuff that's going on with so much kind of heavy stuff from covid stuff protest stuff and presidential stuff it is so all consuming it's real it's unfortunately taking away from a lot of the day to day things that you're describing right right and that's great to hear though that that it was able to help you refocus on on things because yeah it can go a lot of different ways. Let me just start from where we were at the top and and I I said garden state hip hop and that's how I got introduced to you. And we ended up doing the A&R podcast. You did that with uh, our friend Angelo. I was behind the board on that one, but you know, how did you get into garden state hip hop? Give me like a little bit of of the backdrop of, of, of the time period and what led you to do that. And just some of the steps you took with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this was after my freshman year of college and, um, you know, shout out to Delaware State University, where I did my freshman year of school. But, um, you know, this is around 2008, 2009, so we're talking about the hype of the hip-hop blogosphere. You had every publication from Now Right to Dope Boys, you know, Ill Roots, the list goes on and on, of these hip-hop blogs that the record labels began to rely on to sign and break artists. Um, so I spent a lot of time on those publications, but one thing I always noticed was that they didn't cover hip-hop artists from Jersey, in particular, artists that I knew personally that have music um, that was suitable for those outlets, that was good enough. So um, it just popped in my mind one day, you know, Garden State Hip-Hop, I should create my own blog, you know, to write about the artists that aren't featured on the Bigger Name Publications. So that was one reason. The second reason was, you know, uh, prior to that school year ending, I would apply for internships at various record labels and boutique PR firms. And I would get little to no feedback because I had no experience. So on one hand, I gave a platform to local DJs, rappers, and producers throughout New Jersey and the Jersey shore specifically. And on the other hand, I created my own lane to uh to develop, you know, my resume and establish some credibility within the industry. So um, I ended up reaching out to a friend of mine from high school named Jonathan Edwards, talented uh, videographer, graphic designer. Um, He helped me build the foundation for the website. I pretty much came to him with ideas and he would, uh, you know, visualize it for me. He would make the vision come to life. So he helped me build the site. Uh, We shot a promo video where I talked about the launch of the website and my feelings about the hip-hop space at that time. Um, We presented that, launched the website in January 2010, and uh, I've been pretty much rolling ever since. You know, made a name for myself with strong blog content, various events such as New Jersey Live, such as the Garden State Hip-Hop Cypher. All of these things ultimately put me in a position to do what I'm doing now which is working as a full-time music publicist.
1: That's awesome, man. And the part that really sticks out to me is, and and I've dealt with this in my own particular side of things here, with the experience part. It's a question I I get all the time from people who are trying to start out and, and figure out whether it's something with music, something with broadcasting, comedy, whatever it may be, is how you break in to these things where you need experience, but you can't get the experience until you have it. So it's like, you know, like you kind of have to figure out a way to create kind of lightning in a bottle. And that's, I feel like that's what you're kind of describing here. Absolutely. And one thing I want to add in reference to the experience piece that we're talking about right now, I want to
0: acknowledge my cousin Shah, uh, who also helped me with the website. He was, I brought him on as the co-founder and he also was a writer as well. And the unique thing about my cousin was that he graduated with a degree from journalism, uh, with a degree in journalism from Monmouth University. So, as a side hustle, when he was taking his classes, he would write bios for local hip hop artists. So, when I launched the website, he had already had a pipeline of talent throughout New Jersey that he had relationships with. Mm-hmm. So, those were kind of like the first artists that I actually blogged about. So, um, you know, I just wanted to throw that in there because I mentioned John Edwards. And I don't want to forget about my cousin as well.
1: Definitely. And was there a, a moment or a story as you're coming up after you lay this groundwork and get the website going where you felt like, okay, wow, I'm like really making headway here or, or, or somebody, an artist that maybe a year earlier wouldn't have even messaged you back now is messaging you back and now maybe wants to do something with you, an interview or, or something like that. Was there, was there a moment or any stories like that?
0: Yeah, there were a few, but, I mean, we're going back so far, I can't think of everything off the top of my head. But I would just say anytime I was approved for a press pass to do photography or do an interview at a concert or when I established a relationship with Live Nation and we started doing ticket giveaway contests, I believe the first one I did was for a show that Naughty by Nature did at Gramercy Theater. Then I went on and did one. I think I did one for Wiz Khalifa and Rock, Lil Durk, some uh, you know, more popular artists now. Um, but I would say I'm trying to think of one well, moment. You know, and get, getting your Nova first show. press pass
1: is a big deal, though. Too, uh, it's yeah. that's a huge thing when you're when again when you're grinding to get to that point. It's a huge deal to get that press pass for the first time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just having all that access and being around yeah. artists. Well, it feels like you're being uh, given a key to the kingdom. Yeah, and I was just a guy doing this. I was still living at my parents' house at the time. And, you know, two of my biggest, three of my biggest press events, I did AfroPunk in 2013. I did Electric Adventure, which was kind of like the EDM with some hip-hop artist festival down in Atlantic City. I believe that was summer 2015 but I think the one that's most memorable for me now that I think about it is Mac Miller's summer stage performance in Asbury park. Oh, cool. Uh, rest in peace to Mac Miller. But yeah. I had the opportunity to meet him, members of his team. He was kind enough to take a picture with the garden state hip hop t-shirt. Um, got to see Mick mill, got to, uh, meet some of the members of my, one of my favorite bands called the internet. Um, so that was a really special day, you know, for yeah. uh, a multitude of things. It's funny. I don't think I realized how respect people had for the platform until I became a little inconsistent with it. Or if I didn't produce, um, you know, I, I took a hiatus from the Garden State Hip Hop Cypher. I took a hiatus from organizing shows because I just came, I, I, um, I got to a place where I became so frustrated personally with certain things in terms of trying to advance my career that I got a little discouraged.
1: But so then that's the point where then somebody, you know, so people you don't necessarily know when they're paying attention, all of a sudden you drop off, then all of a sudden they reach out and you realize, Oh wow, these people are paying attention. And I, you know, you kind of really realize it. Right. Right. Exactly. To add on to, you know, getting the experience for the first time too. And and then the access with, with the press pass, is when, again, when, in, when you're a when you're sitting in your house and imagining all these things, cause I sure as hell went through too in, in sitting in Tom's river and in, in my parents' house, my basement, all these things thinking I had it all figured out and, and just trying to desperately be seen or heard like for me. So going into a newsroom for the first time, and, and like you're saying, you go to, to a big show for the first time, you just also get to just see how the real pros and people who you look up to actually do it. So you So maybe you're not going to get famous or rich off of that event, but just being able to see what happens and just how, like kind of soak it all up is a really powerful experience.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And also, you know, even before I began my career as a publicist, I received the press releases from some of the um, important PR firms in Manhattan and, and, and Los Angeles. I would get those press releases. I would get those pitches. You know, so I had an idea of what a what a pitch angle what what a pitch was what a what a good pitch angle looked like, the structure of a press release, what made a good press release, what made a bad press release. Um, so that was my unique advantage once I got into the business itself. You know, I had experience with PR people. I was going to events. Mm-hmm. I was building relationships with companies such as Live Nation. You know, so. Like you said, you may not be earning a, a ton of money on anything, but
1: you're gaining a wealth of, of of knowledge and experience that's ultimately priceless. Well, yeah, and my my first real break in radio, I, I became a morning producer at, at New Jersey 101.5, and i you know I wasn't making a ton of money. I was waking up at one thirty in the morning, working like a lunatic, and my dad was just like the access, the, being able to go in there, not only get your stuff on the air, that's gravy, but just to see how, see all the sides of it. He's like, just soak it all up, soak up whatever you can, not just worry about the on-air part, worry, learn the production, learn the, you know, the, the engineering, learn the editing on the programs, learn how to use all the equipment. Just like, you know, you're getting access to a newsroom and a studio, take advantage of it. So, I mean, and I apply that to every facet of life and and i imagine it's the same thing where you you know you're just like be like that experience is is worth more than anybody can ever put a price tag on getting those experiences and then when as you learn each side of a particular business you can apply it to other sides and like you know kind of cross pollinate in in different ways and and just keep building a skill set mhm
0: absolutely man absolutely it's-
1: who are some of the artists you're listening to or some artists that are out there now that maybe people don't know about, you know, things like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, To name a few locally, I would start with, uh, you know, my buddy DBM, Dana Beautiful Monster, Mr. Encore, Joe College. Who else? Uh, Alexander Simone, who's a local guy who happens to be Nina Simone's grandson. Okay. Uh, The list goes on and on in terms of local talent national artist i'm a big fan of anderson Pac right now um he's one of my favorite acts uh who else do i really like hmm. you kind of put me on the
1: spot I, right I, now i know and i don't i know you don't want to leave people out and offend anybody who may hear this uh you know and we'll, <laughs> yeah, but, oh
0: yeah, shout out to off top dude that's another local yeah. group well, they were, they were, yeah you had them at, uh,
1: we, we, well. did, we did that at my house too it did uh off top Joe College, that was of of the ones where I was just kind of like just taking it all in and behind the scene behind the board while you guys did your thing. Joe College, I thought he was really next level. He he's he's good. Yeah, for solo sure, for Dolo man. was really um, good, who I, I've kind of become friends with from, from all that uh those times. Like, you know, but the, yeah, there were some really talented solo, dudes.
0: Talented dude, local OG. Yeah. Um, but in terms of national acts, you know, I mentioned Anderson Park, run the jewels, of course. I love Freddie Gibbs right now. Everything that he's doing, um, an RB artist by the name of sir. Uh, you know, one of my former clients, Jay Walt kid out of Oakland, California. He just released a, a crazy album called yours truly. Um, and just, you know, the Kanye's, the Kendrick's, the Jay Z's, the Nipsies. um, you know, the list goes on and on of artists that I'm listening to right now. I, I bumped pop Smoke's album, rest in peace to him, uh, earlier this week. So, uh, I'm all over.
1: That's cool, man. And, uh, of course, in addition to the, the COVID lockdown and everything else, uh, you know, associated with that, which is still going on. And in many respects is maybe even worse than it was, you know, we got, our area got hit with the first wave and now it's kind of washing over the rest of the country, unfortunately. And I don't know where this is all going to end up, uh, in, you know, in terms of my school, by school starting and all those kinds of things. But, yeah, then we had the, the terrible tragedy with George Floyd. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what you felt, what, what you know, the things that you were going through as, as you watched all of that unfold and then the subsequent protests. Um,
0: I was, uh, I was upset to say the least, yeah. but, you know, very emotional, more, more so, these most recent incidents than past ones. You know, I was affected by them, but I guess with everything we're experiencing as a society right now, you know, it just really stuck with me and sat with me. It, it,
1: especially Ahmad
0: Al- um murder. I'm not sure if it's yeah. Aubrey or well, Aubrey. I think it's a- no,
1: Aubrey. Yeah, it's uh, Aubrey. Okay. Yeah, that, that one's. Um, I've
0: just heard both both ways, so I, I'm like, is it this way or that way? But anyway. I think that one and then seeing the video, it just really hurt me because I, I think the day I saw it, I had just came in from a job.
1: Oh, really? Oh. And I'm just
0: like, this is something I do every day. You yeah. know, and it kind of tripped me out. You mm-hmm. know, gossip is something like that would happen in the state of New Jersey. You know, the South, they play by their own rules, oh. um, so sort to of speak. But um, uh, it just, like, you know, it's just really that – just, just jogging, you know. Yeah. He's running, you know. It's just, it was something about that that really broke me a little bit. And, uh, you know, then when, when the, the, uh, when everything that took place with George Floyd, it just hit me like a ton of bricks too. And uh, it really motivated me to really, uh, you know, express myself. You know, I, I, I felt, I felt those experiences just like I felt experiences of the past, such as Trayvon Martin, Samir Rice, Michael Brown, the list goes on and on. It's it's way too many names. Um, But I felt that, but it's a little different now, as I said, because we're all in this lockdown together and it's almost inescapable because you can't go to the gym. You can't go out to dinner. You can't go meet up with with friends. So you're seeing this, you're watching the news, you're reading the articles, and it's just weighing heavy on you, you know? And uh, I, I I released a lot of emotions into my activity on the front lines, whether it was in North, Long Branch, Asbury, you know, um, I, I just poured my heart into uh, those protests because I, I felt all of it.
1: And, and how powerful were those just being at them? I mean, I, I w- I've watched all of it on, between TV social media and everything, I can't imagine the energy being there, especially, again, knowing what your community has gone through with with, with all this stuff, and I I imagine it's a huge, it's got to be a a crazy wave of emotion.
0: Absolutely, you know, and, um, you know, I've been involved with protests going back to 2015. My first experience was uh, co-organizing a trip to Washington, D.C. to hear Minister Louis, Louis Farrakhan speak. Um, and then again in 2016 or 17, when we rallied and protested outside of the NFL headquarters in Manhattan in support of Colin Kaepernick. So this is something that's been a part of me um, now. Um, so I I, I was I, I knew what rallies and protests I knew what what, what that experience was, um, but to see so many. Non-black people, white people, Hispanics, screaming, yelling, Black Lives Matter. Uh, I I don't think there's ever been a time in history where we had, you know, that this level of unity. Yeah. And And it's become this global movement from here to to Australia. Uh, We're we're living in history right now. Our our kids are going to be learning about this in school, you know, in 20 and 30 years.
1: I couldn't agree more. And do you think the reason for all these other different communities getting in on this now and and really joining, joining up with you guys, do you think it's because it's with phones and social media seeing, you know, it's one thing to hear about something, but to actually see something like that on, on video and then have it spread across the world, especially, you know, and then having it happen multiple, multiple times, it just feels like something snapped. And it's just like everybody as a whole is just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, like something's got to give here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in short, people couldn't duck reality anymore.
1: Yep. You
0: know, and it was just uh, from the bird watcher in Central Park to Ahmaud Aubrey to George Floyd to Breonna Taylor and uh, almost on a weekly basis where we're, we're, we're hearing about other victims of, uh, police brutality, or just hate crimes. Uh, we, we're, we're living in a space now where you can't dust these things. You, you can't avoid it. You can't turn the other cheek anymore mm. because we're all in this together. You know, It's on your Facebook news feed. It's on your Twitter timeline. It's on your Instagram feed. It's everywhere. Everyone's having a conversation about it, whether it's via social media or privately in their home. It's something that's inescapable. You know, you're seeing a black mat Ma- uh, black lives matter T-shirt when you're at Walmart, and you're also seeing a make it make America great again cap. You know, at the same place. So this is a very it's
1: a weird time. Uh, <laughs>
0: it's a weird time. Very <laughs> weird time, but you know, it's a space yeah. that I've always welcomed personally in my life and in my conversation. Yeah. So I'm glad to see that it's um, it's not treated. As these taboo subjects
1: no well, know? the only way to get get change is to face you know things right in the stare right in the eyes and look at it and and deal with it you, you know if you if you keep if you just deny things and suppress it, nothing changes, so the only way is to bring these topics to the surface
0: yeah you know it's interesting you say that because um i'm gonna butcher this woman's quote but the park that I work out at today we, we had a decent conversation and it's funny because her name was Karen and I just started laughing <laughs> um, but uh, you know somehow the, 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 the occupation of being a fireman came up and she says you know firemen are taught to go towards danger to subside it and end it you know what I'm saying and I feel like yeah. we have to do that as a society we have to tackle these issues head on totally. you know and I think you know, confronting truth—extremely difficult and painful truth—is the first step to healing. So I, I embrace all this stuff. I really like what's going on, and I really have my my eyes and ears open to both sides of the discussion. People who are opposed to the Black Lives Matter music—I
1: uh, yeah. mean, Black and, Lives and, and Matter—and and, that's—and uh, that's—and that's a very important part of it because. If one side doesn't think that you're listening to them and, bl- and, and vice versa, everybody just ends up talking at each other. Conversations need to be with each other and, and collaborate and, and figure out a better way forward.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I think it was the Aubrey Marcus po- podcast. Um, he had a guest on that said, you know, nowadays we live in a society where people just want to be right. They don't want to have healthy, constructive conversations or any type of civil discourse. Everything has to be a debate.
1: And, no, and, and it's um, true.
0: yeah for sure man so I think now it's just a and, you know a lot of people a lot of the rhetoric that I see on social media and conversations with my friends is that they're shifting to a space where they just want to listen and learn yeah. you know and really have good healthy conversations as opposed to debate to outfact you know the next person or just try to disprove or dismiss their beliefs and opinions you
1: know, in the spirit of being right. I'm a thousand percent on board with, with having, like you're saying, having the discussions and, and, and listening because your experiences on this earth are different than mine and, and the only, and, and vice versa. So the only way both sides can learn, you know, what the other side is going through, you know, and again, I don't look at it like sides, like we're not one because I'm maybe too much of an idealist. And I think that everybody should be on the same team, but there are different experiences, unfortunately on this planet. And, and, it's a sad reality, but the only way to, to break down all those barriers and, and have a better way forward is to have these kind of conversations and, and get the stories out there and put an end to the bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds simple like that, but really, I mean, like we're both saying, like you stare, you got to stare it in the face and, and not pretend it's not happening. But if something's happening, acknowledge it and, and figure out a better path forward together. Absolutely, man. I couldn't agree more. What are some of the things you hope that come out of this movement, these protests
0: yeah for sure. I mean, two things come to mind when you ask me that question. I would say one, um, I know I mean, this isn't like a short-term thing. It's more of a long-term play, but really reevaluating and redeveloping curriculums in schools, probably more so at the elementary school level, mm-hmm. you know, because the the way the, the way we've been taught history is just completely inaccurate to the point where it's almost disgraceful. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing. Another thing could be, uh, I'm not, during a meeting with a local police department on Monday, I expressed that I didn't approve of defunding the police, but I think I retract that. And I'll say if we were to defund the police, like what does that even mean? You know what I'm saying? Are, are we just talking about major cities or just police departments across the United States? Every little department, e- even a little department with you know a sheriff and two deputies in Bozeman, uh, Montana. You know what exactly does that mean? So, okay, I, I may support the the, the the funding piece, but more so um, improving community policing uh, policing those initiatives and those programs uh and also i think another positive step would be to changing the police academy experience and the hiring process um, i spoke to a gentleman from uh, the attorney general's office he expressed to me how difficult it is to hire minority applicants um so maybe you know reexamining that and also including civilians and residents of the community to be a part of the hiring process Hmm. um, of policemen. I think civilians and residents should have a say in the people who get to police them.
1: Do you feel like something has changed in this moment? You know, it is a very historical moment, as you said before. Do you think it, it, it has something has snapped to the point where changes are, are possible right now? Is this the moment?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this, uh, this this has been going on, you know, for, for years now, for decades, for centuries. Um, you know, when we talk about the police brutality and just um, the killing of innocent Black people, I mean, this goes back to, I, I guess, the story that kind of set the precedent for everything and I, I believe inspired the Black Lives Matter movement was the murder of Trayvon Martin, mm. you know? And even back then, from Trayvon Martin to Tamir Rice to uh, uh, Sandra Bland to Michael Brown, yes, people were on the front line, but we didn't have this much support from non-black people. You know what I'm saying? And is that, is that so, kind of
1: the difference? I mean, or like yes. the thing that kind of takes it over the top now?
0: Absolutely, absolutely
1: it feels to me like something has changed it's just an observation but something seems to have snapped and and i and i think that's a good thing moving forward certainly yeah man
0: it's uh it, it was it, it was it, it's special to see it's not it it, it is it, it was special to see it is you know and just seeing so many young people you know i think about where i was when i was, you know, 23, 24, 25 years old. I turned 31 next week. I'm still young, but I know how it could be when you're in your early 20s, you know. I wasn't focused on, you know, I mean, given things were happening, but probably not to the extent that they've happened, like, the past few years, I Mm. guess, in a sense. Uh, But, you know, I was more focused on getting ready for, you know, bar A on Tuesday, you know, or something else that I had going on.
1: And I'm with you, you. Know, so this, that, younger, that, this younger generation, they are, they have a little something special that they have, they're socially conscious and they have social media and know how to organize and mobilize that thing quickly.
0: Right. And I mean, these people, you know, I met, I co-organized the, the, the protest in Brook Township. So I got presented with an opportunity to sit with Congressman Andy Kim. Yep. So I got to sit with him and some other organizers from uh, Ocean County and Burlington County specifically. And, uh, I mean, the youngest organizer was 18, a recent high school grad, and the oldest was 30, which was me. So, I mean, we're talking about a range of people from 18, 20, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, who took it upon themselves to organize, to step up. That takes a lot of courage and confidence, you know, and –
1: that's cool we to all, see. That's cool like, to hear and cool to see.
0: Yeah, and one thing we all had in common was that this has opened up kind of like a new lane for all of us where we're getting involved in local politics and social issues. You know, two two women I met, they're pushing to, to have the curriculum changed at Malton Middle School. These are two college students. So it's inter- interesting to see what these tragedies has inspired in so many people, not just in New Jersey, but throughout the world.
1: And I imagine once you go, you know, have an experience like that and, you know, a very personal moment at a protest like that, and, and you're seeing th- this new kind of energy and, and just feeling like something's different. You know, I imagine for all people involved, it's tough to kind of go back to life before that. <laughs> you know I mean? I'd have to imagine that's how it would be.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's no um, cracked joke because I'm sure you've seen some of the footage I've shared on my socials of me being on the front lines. And yeah, it's like, yeah. just new people are following you, new people are engaging with, with your content that you post. And it's just like, you know, I, I said a joke. I'm just like, you know, now people are going to have a certain expectation of me because i take taken these positions and, and express myself in terms of how I feel about what's going on. So, it's just interesting
1: believe me, I've covered enough news stories that oftentimes in the worst tragedies and the worst crises and and the worst times, you see the best parts of humanity come out of it and and I feel like even in the in the dark, dark times that are going on, there's something happening there's something kind of palpable, and you're seeing this amazing side of humanity that coming together and then you know you add in the, the technology to be able to organize and mobilize it like this i mean it's pretty you know it's pretty special to see it all kind of coming together Absolutely, in real time yeah. it's it's pretty powerful yeah. stuff it really is and uh all right so i just wanted to get on just to one more thing we're still in a lockdown here and who the hell knows when this is all going to uh to to change a bit but do you do you think indoor live events come back anytime within this year or or are we looking way past into next year
0: i think we're i think we're looking way past into next year and i say that because things just can't go back to normal there's no way i mean look look at the steps we're taking with dining you know and shopping malls so uh, imagine these music venues standing only music venues you know it's uh it's gonna have to be reevaluated, man. Because it, it, if it's not, we're gonna have the same spike that we're seeing in all these other states. How um,
1: are, how are people in, that you know of in the music industry? How, how are they adapting? because like, already the the business, as far as I understand it, with with streaming coming in, you know, record CD sales and all that kind of stuff is for you know is gone. So, live events is really the way to make some money and and sell. And get your name out there and all that. And now they're not doing, you know. I, I mean, is it all social media now? Doing like concerts through Instagram and things like that. How, how are artists adapting in the music world?
0: Yes, in partnerships. You know, like for example, okay, uh, I've booked two of my clients for PR with Bands in Town.
1: Mm-hmm. Bands
0: in Town has been doing these awesome uh, live music concerts. So uh, like for today, I'm actually doing one with a client who performs at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Um, So it's a lineup of all hip hop talent and it's live streamed concerts from their home studio, from their bedroom that they wanted to perform there or anywhere, you know, and uh, you know, they have digital tip tip jars. So you can tip the artist or you can tip a charity that they're passionate about so Go companies on. like bands in town are doing creative things like that to help artists both developing and national acts um i saw that genius is doing a concert i believe it's today or tomorrow with Khalifa with the really cool virtual concept to engage their viewers oh cool so everyone is really tapping into their creativity yeah um i haven't seen much as I I, I haven't come across any artists that have, well, actually I have because they've had some online performances with like, I think Bruce Springsteen and a few other big names did it where you had to pay like a $10 fee to gain access to the virtual concert. Uh So there are some artists, but the bigger name acts that are more in demand, uh, so to speak, that are charging, you know, small fees for virtual sets and virtual access. But most of it has been free or, you know, optional donations. And aside from that, you know, the versus uh, battles have been great, which were created by Swiss Beats and Timberland.
1: Yeah, those have been cool.
0: You know? Yeah, they've been really cool. I mean, everything from... uh, Fabulous and Jada. Yeah, Fabulous and Jada last week. I lost my mind when Risen and Primo were going at it. Um, so that's been fun
1: to watch. Yeah, you know, well, and, and long lines of what you're saying is that when things like this happen and an entire industry is just basically altered, it gives a chance for the people who are creative and hustle and, and innovate, there's an opportunity out of anything like this. Again, it's a horrible situation that led us to this where you can't go see a normal concert inside and kind of just do things as you normally would. But they do offer an opportunity to adapt and, and evolve, and and the the artists who are going to make it and the people who are going to make it learn how, how quickly how to how to adapt to it and, and go from there.
0: Yeah, man, and I mean that's uh, one of the joys of being in his, in this business. We get to be creative. We get to think outside of the box. How many people can do that in their profession? There's so nothing better in the world. Time. It's a very, you know, yeah, it's a very interesting time, and from you as you you're in the same game that i'm in so it gives us the opportunity to embrace it and just really
1: think outside of the box absolutely and here let's just close i usually do a few little quick fire questions just to close out with best single thing you've done since the covid lockdown started best experience
0: best experience uh wow i mean so much for a rapid fire answer Probably stepped up my yard work game.
1: Okay, <laughs> you're you're really embracing your 30s. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, if you need a power wash, let me know.
1: <laughs> Will schools reopen in September? Yeah. Okay. Your uh your go to food food place or you know or type of food and go to drink alcoholic. Uh,
0: my go to drink is an old fashioned. Okay. And probably my go-to food spot. Uh, uh, I like I like Bonefish Grill a lot. Okay.
1: All right, and I'll close with this one. Favorite thing to do on, on a summer weekend at the Jersey Shore.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh man, uh, I'm thinking about that Bonefish Grill thing. That was so basic. You um, can do it over you going to do on a summer day At the Jersey Shore Hmm I don't know man Hit the, hit the, hit the beach hit the walk boats walk boat. Didn't you say didn't yeah. you, say you hey, went hit boat the, Hit the boardwalk Asbury, Belmar You know Long Branch And just uh, you know bar hop Just bar hop and, and, and walk
1: around Perfect Rodney Thank you so much brother For taking a few minutes
0: Hey thanks man I appreciate it man I, I enjoyed this conversation
1: No doubt. We'll do it again soon.
0: All right. Sounds good, brother. Thank you. All right.
1: Thanks, bro. A big thanks to Rodney Corsi for jumping on the Maker Break podcast. Please subscribe, share, and look out for more upcoming episodes. I'm Matt Breaker. Thanks for listening.